Hello, I'm Sarah McGinn and you're listening to the Life's Too Short podcast. I believe that grief has the power to change your life forever. For some, it'll be subtle changes that affect them throughout their life journeys. And for others, it'll be monumental changes to how they live and how they perceive their purpose in life. The more I talk with people who are grieving, the more I learn about and understand the differences and the similarities between grief journeys. One thing that we can all agree on though, is that life is just too short. You know, you have these profound, incredible feelings surrounding it. It's impossible to put it into words, but we know something incredible has come of all this. On today's episode, I speak with singer, guitarist and Ireland's rising star of jazz, Charlie Moon. He speaks with me today about the untimely death of his eldest sister, Claire, how the combined grief within his family has brought them closer together and how a little street in Wicklow Town has connected them to their sister and daughter. Charlie also speaks to me about the authors, books and beliefs that have helped him understand life and death. And we discuss the full circle of birth, death and life as he prepares to become a father for the first time. I found this conversation with Charlie fascinating. His deep insight into his grief is remarkable and I feel I learned a lot about my own grief from chatting with him. I hope you can take what you need from this conversation too. Hello, Charlie. Thank you so much for joining me today here on Life's Too Short. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Been loving the podcast and uh, it's been bringing a lot of joy and good things for me. So I'm delighted to be on it. Delighted to be a part of it. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I never know how people are going to react when I reach out to them because it's such a personal thing, like how you feel about your grief at a particular time in your life as well. So like you never know if someone's still really, really struggling and like do not want to talk about it. Because I know I was like that, like in the, the months after my mum died. But when I reached out to you, it's just like immediately you understood like the podcast and what it meant for like sharing these things and what it meant for yourself and then what it meant for other people as well in a real like cathartic sense. So it was... Yeah, it was a really nice response to reaching out because I got really nervous, you know. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I was actually so nervous in my response because I responded to you immediately and I thought, oh my God. And then you were really busy for a day or two. And then I started okay. going, I was like, oh no, um, um, maybe I've come across like a total... Oh I'm no! Like, no, no, but you know what? I, I haven't yeah. yet because I, I only discovered the podcast through you reaching out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I went and listened to it and I was like, I'm not a weirdo. This is what everyone's no. feeling. That was my ego getting in the way. And um, yeah, I, I, then I listened to it and I was like, oh, there's a whole world of people who feel like this. Yeah, that's that's really what I've got from people. Like every kind of mad thought that I've had over the last couple of years is like hundreds of people who've had the exact same thoughts as well. We are here today to talk about your sister, your sister Claire. Yeah. And the way I like to start off every conversation with people is to really find out about that person. So about your sister, Claire, because that is where your grief has stemmed from. But we don't want to just see that as an event. Like this is a person, a whole life, you know, a whole relationship that you have had. So if you wouldn't mind sharing about your sister. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's been something I've been contemplating, obviously, a little bit in the lead up to this. She's really hard to pin down. Um, and label as to like, oh, she was this or she was this. Ultimately, all of your stuff gets stripped away when you die. And, and what's left is you. And what, all that's left in my memory of her in my, is just that she was just laughing, laughing and laughing. And her whole 
purpose in life was to make people laugh and to laugh. She was a chef. She had a million different chefing jobs and she must have had more cars than anyone has ever driven. And she had more mobile phones and more houses. She's just, she was so immaterial. She just went through objects somehow and nothing, she she had no material possessions. She didn't want anything from the world except to just hang out and laugh. And that that was, you know, when you're going through that, major kind of reflecting on someone and all your, you're getting together with their friends and you're just hearing story after story of how she just did the most hilarious, mischievous things. And people would just be on the floor laughing, telling the stories. And that was her really. I mean, she's just, she had a lot of difficulties. She had a lot of struggles with drug addiction and things like that. But these things don't represent her at all, you know, Mm -hmm. and all you really remember is the essence of a person, which was just laughter, you know. All I could hear in the weeks after she died was her laughing. The laughter that she has, like it was just ringing in my ears, you know, and it was quite beautiful because it made that period of time easy, well, easier. That is such a beautiful word to sum up someone, someone who really took life for what it was supposed to be about or what it is supposed to be about and that's enjoyment and that's the close relationships that you're making and that's the fun that you're having with these people as well and you say she passed just over two years ago which is it's still quite raw for you I would imagine but um if you could tell me in kind of as much detail as you'd like when you first found out what were those first kind of days and weeks like for you yeah that was like the most incredible new experience in my life. I mean, it was just fascinating to watch it all unfold. I heard somebody else talk on your podcast about this feeling of like just letting go and just being like just roaring in a way that mm. you've never experienced. I think even you maybe were talking yeah. about there. Strangely enough, basically a friend of ours from school had passed away during COVID. Another friend of ours was raising money in a kind of a funny way. He was he was going to be paddleboarding down the Liffey dressed as an NFL player or something like this. I specifically remember contemplating, imagining the loss of a sibling because we would have been closer to the brother, oh. especially the guy doing the the charity thing was is very close with the brother. Mm-hmm. And we were just contemplating the loss of a sibling. And like in this conversation, and then we sat down on the side of the Liffey to get a coffee waiting for our friend to kind of paddle by and then I got a phone call um just as we were ordering coffee and breakfast and I my wife my friend didn't even notice I I got I received the words Claire's dead and um I just walked around the corner and just fell in a puddle on the ground (laughs) like you know and I remember seeing people not really sure I was just wailing and to be honest it's news I had feared may come someday, you know, because my Mm. sister struggled a lot in life. And I, you know, it was something in the back of my mind that will these struggles ever event in, in, you know, this day may come someday, you know, hard to explain that, that thought process, but it was like, hopefully, hopefully she can overcome the struggles she has. The phone call was, was somewhat expected at someday, maybe. And, and there it was. And I just, I just fell apart and I was just sort of, it actually was a lovely sunny day and I was just sort of sitting on a corner on the Liffey, just, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And my wife and, and friend were just ordering breakfast and weren't, didn't even notice that, you know, you take a phone call, you don't, 
You don't think twice. Somebody just nips away to have a phone call. And I probably sat there for 15 minutes, just like, just watching myself empty out this emotion I'd never, ever experienced before. Well, that was the initial kind of thing. And my mum and my brother and my mum's sister and my mum's partner, they were all in, in my brother's apartment when they, they all received the news together, which was which was great for my, for, great for all of them so they could be together. Specifically my mum, I think she, everyone really needed <clears throat> some sort of support there, you know, and I was glad to have my wife and my mate. So that was actually the 19th of December. It was really deep into, into COVID where you couldn't be together, you couldn't hug, you couldn't be in each other's gaffes or anything like that. And it was kind of, in one way, it was lovely because everyone we had ever known, all family and friends, just went above and beyond to break out of this. Everyone was really getting sick of COVID at this point. You know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it had gone on quite a long time, and everyone just said, "Right, like we need to be with with your family." And we kind of had this. I think it's safe to to say now. I won't annoy anyone, but we, you know, we yeah. had this kind of typical, like a wake process yeah. during during the week of this sort of open door policy and. Uh, hundreds, I'm sure it wasn't the same environment from a COVID point of view, but it was uh, really beautiful for everyone and all of us because we just had people coming and, and being around us all week. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't been around anyone for a very long time. No one had. And that was a really great week. Even like there was a slight fear in the back of our minds that Christmas was now ruined. Uh, do you know, I mean, for I don't mean that was our first thought, but that Christmas was gone now. And mm-hmm. it was like, that'll, we'll, we'll never have that again. And we won't, we won't in a way, we won't have that thing ever again. But it was just like, wow, you start to realize one by one, all the things that aren't important at all. And you, all of your focus and all, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get into that kind of thing more and more. A little bit later, but it's um, then the funeral, the way it all fell, it, it wasn't going to be able to be done until Christmas Eve. So that was a mad day. We were trying to put together a funeral and we weren't allowed to have the numbers. We were only allowed to have 10. Yeah. And so like everyone in the town came to our house and mm. sort of watched us march out with her and stuff, which is really powerful. And then we went to Mount Jerome and then there was all this, <laughs> like we had mates kind of at the gate who were trying to watch it on Zoom or something like this. It was such a bizarre situation. And we had friends who were allowed in and then they were turned away. And there was a lot of kind of back and forth. Uh, I remember a funny one, one of uh, one of our good friends who helped us kind of carry the coffin in. He's a good family friend. And the the funeral director or well I don't want to I don't want to say who it was at all somebody who was doing their best to probably manage COVID and funerals and he was kind of asking us to to do more than we really wanted to at this time we were just desperately trying to mourn our sister and get on with the funeral he was saying no you're gonna have to tell more of those people to leave and uh, this friend (laughs) carrying the coffin said listen well there's gonna be two people getting buried today if you don't I just remember he was really nagging us so much at this point that like he just decided he was going to speak on our behalf and tell him to fuck off. It was it was it was kind of a good laugh for us. Good on him, yeah. Good on him. I'm sure that kind of brought the unexpected lightness to to that moment as well. Yeah, I always remember that. There'll be two people getting buried. (laughs) Yeah. Then suddenly, you know, space and silence again, and people disappear. And eight days later, and people need to go and have their Christmas and 
it's suddenly Christmas Day and we're, the house is completely empty for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we're just sort of sitting in the silence reflecting on, like the week was so quick and fun. And at, at times, you know, you're just catching up with people you haven't seen in so long. And it was, and we were all crying together and laughing together. And it was this enormous celebration. And then it was, yeah, Christmas Day. And it was just, we were now one short, you know, and that was like, wow, oh, here we are here. Here it comes, you know. We'd been, we'd been like gladly distracted, I guess, for, and it's not a typical Christmas. We're kind of eating leftover bits that people have been bringing all week. And, and that's, that's when the, that's when the process began. And then it was like, right, how do we, and only a week later then is my sister's birthday. I think we were starting to learn a little bit more of how to deal with that. And that was another big celebration. You know, we had a fire in the back garden and we all wrote, messages to her and put them in the fire and you know mm. but it all it all happened so quickly all these events just kept coming at us so quickly when and we were still deep in COVID again so it was just us and it was just very loud I mean the silence was extremely loud you know what I mean at that point yeah so I mean that's the initial couple of weeks anyway yeah. You know, there's something about Christmas. Obviously, it's every year. It's yeah. a huge family occasion. It's like, it's all about family. And they all talk like when you're going through grief, that first Christmas is going to be so incredibly tough, which it is. But then to happen so close, your sister passing, the funeral, Christmas, her birthday, like all these like huge moments happening so quickly. And it's like, your head's kind of just melted. It's like, how has my whole life been turned upside down? But everything's kind of just happening as normal as well. Do you know, life is yeah. just continuing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's amazing. In a way, I was, I was kind of grateful that I was already quite interested in, in like on some sort of spiritual journey, reading a lot of books around the idea of kind of acceptance, uh, you know, a uh, big fan of like Eckhart Tolle and, and that sort of thing. I'd already been... I'd already been listening to him talk about these kinds of things to some extent. So um, in a way, when when it all was happening, when I, the incredibly loud mental noise that was going on surrounding all these events, I was fascinated to be able to just kind of step back and look at it and go, ah, like, yeah, you can't stop Christmas coming any sooner. You can't stop her birthday coming any sooner and that you've got things to do. And so many things are happening and you're like, yeah, wow, this this is it. This is the thing. Like, this is... And yet you're contemplating the idea of somebody not existing at the same time anymore. While the life you remembered a week earlier, which was all, you know, rosy, yeah. uh, is still going on. And you're now looking at it for the first time in a completely new way. There's no amount of books you can read that can prepare you for this new knowledge. You can think it's interesting to some extent, but then you're, you're feeling it and you're going, wow, this is it. This yeah. is actually it. It's, I'm looking at these events and they're not important anymore. I don't mean... Christmas or birthdays, but just like you say, the day-to-day stuff is just whizzing by still mm-hmm. and it's moving along, but you're deep in this new understanding, this new feeling that you can't shake. And it's kind of beautiful in a way, because it's like, it's like you've just woken up from a dream. You're not in denial. I mean, I guess you can be, but you're in this deep state of constantly re-accepting, re-accepting the thing that you're trying to not let go of, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to hang on to the idea of someone, but you're constantly just having to accept it. It's absolutely phenomenal. And you're going, wow, this is it. And you feel these incredibly strong physical feelings of trying to grab on, 
but you can't. The death is the first thing you've ever learned that you cannot. Death of a person is just this phenomenal new lesson that you can't possibly learn any other way. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, like unless there's something you don't know, this person's not coming back. That horrible feeling is the, is acceptance, you know. Yeah. Um, and you, did you, you have that uh, immediately? Because like I certainly went through a very long period of disbelief and I try and think back on it and I don't know if it's like because I've just had a baby and my hormones are all over the place and I'm not getting enough sleep but did I kind of lose touch with reality a little bit definitely those first couple of months I could not accept that this is is what happened so I'm really interested to hear like I suppose did your mind go to I've accepted the fact that she's not coming back I suppose no, I mean, I totally relate to to you. I didn't accept it. And that was, I think that's the feeling. That's the, that's the really heavy suffering surrounding it. But I was able to recognize why I was suffering initially. I could see that, like, how much more time do I need? I, I don't know. But I do know mm-hmm. that I have to let go of the thing. You'd cry and you'd... You just wouldn't recognize yourself in some of the, like so you were saying, or someone was saying in your back is the noises that you're making. You've never heard them. You don't know. You didn't know you were capable of making them. And uh, it's okay. It's, it's, it's a great release. It's a phenomenal release that I've certainly never experienced. It was not easy to accept. I didn't accept mm-hmm. it. It didn't take me long to, to just recognize though, that this is like, mm-hmm. I, I have to recognize the more I cling to this, the more I'm suffering. And at some point I have to let it go, you know? Yeah. Um, I think everyone in my family dealt with things on a different timeline. I know like my niece, for example, you know, me, my brother and, and, and I and my mother would be very similar in our, in, in this level of stuff and talking mm-hmm. about you know, the books we read and talking about this level of thing of acceptance and stuff. But my niece is only, this would be my sister's daughter. She was just like, look, you guys have all this Eckhart Tolle stuff you're always going mm-hmm. on about. I don't have that. I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with this. So mm-hmm. we we had sort of found ourselves trying to explain what we were going through to her mm-hmm. and trying to, trying to, you know, not t- telling her this is how it is or this is what I believe and this is what you should believe or anything like that. But um, I guess we found ourselves trying to step up for her and lead by example in, in sort of accepting and, and letting go and things like that. It's, it's a bit of a blur, really, when I look back on it all. Not a quick process in the letting go, but definitely an understanding of like, wow, there's other things in life that I can just brush under the rug and, and maybe, and I don't think things ever truly leave you alone until they teach you what they're supposed to teach you, you know? Um, I find that in everything. Now, I think I can, I can recognize that in everything. Like this, this thing is niggling at me and it's come up a few times. And like, I, I obviously need to deal with that thing. It's not going away. I need to let go of that thing or I need to, you know, deal with it or accept it or whatever, whatever that needs to be done about it. But with, with death, there's, there's no angle. There's, there's no, if I give it time, if I think about it, or if maybe if enough time passes, you know, it's just the only, thing it's the only permanent thing that there ever is you know what I mean so it was just it was a very very massive teaching for me when it all happened you said there about how you kind of you notice now if something's at you or something's niggling at you and you can kind of recognize it in terms of I suppose in in an emotional capacity 
have you always kind of been in touch or recognized that side of you? Or do you think that's kind of one of the things that has changed over the past couple of years since Claire's passed? It's something I was certainly, like I said, contemplating a little bit, maybe um, reading the odd book. And, mm. and you know, myself and my brother had a, had a funny weekend down in Kerry where we just, we, it's a place that we go every year. We've been talking about this book that we were reading. I'm sure people have read The Power now or have heard of it. And uh, we were just saying, isn't it amazing the way he's able to just do that? And so we set ourselves a challenge just for a laugh to see how many niggling things would come about in the day and how we would just just brush them off, like in, in an almost comical way. And and we'd see them coming then, like it could be traffic, it could be, sorry, the restaurant's closed and we couldn't get dinner anywhere. And we kept going, okay, all right, there's one, there's another one. And, you know, we were just having a laugh with this concept. And by the end of the day, so many things started going our way in in a way we could never have imagined that it just became hilarious. And we were like, why can't we just... Why can we set us set this challenge every day? Like we'd only done it for a laugh as a joke. We were able to see people in their essence, people who had initially approached us who were kind of angry and grumpy. And we were able to just, as a joke, pretend that it wasn't bothering us. When we did that, anyway, we just had this profound kind of realization on the back of it all. And after Claire passed, I've been able to hang on to that a lot more. I mean, it was just something I contemplated once. But since then, I've noticed that it has just become, everything's become a whole lot easier. Um, I mean, things that, yeah, like I, I've heard you talk about that. Don't sweat the small things or, or you know, and, and a few few of your guests. That is one of the biggest things, I think. I'm, I'm not sure if that's true for everybody um, who's experienced grief, but it's certainly been an enormous shift, I think, since. Yeah, absolutely. Time for a really quick break. This episode is proudly brought to you in partnership with new mindfulness brand, Pausepenny. Their gratitude and manifestation products help to simplify your at-home mindfulness practices. Over the last year, I really started to think about my own wellness. But to be honest, mindfulness was not something I'd ever really thought about. It's not something that I considered for myself. But what I love about the Pausepenny gratitude packs is that it allows me that time to focus, to take a break and think about what brings me joy in the everyday. And that's something I really needed. So if you have been looking to invest in your mindset, invest in your positivity in 2023, then head to pausepenny.com or check them out on Instagram at pause.penny. Now back to the chat. I wanted to talk a bit more about how you feel personally you've changed or the changes that you've made in your life because of the grief that you've gone through. I've been able to witness an enormous shift in my immediate family. Like we've all gone through an enormous shift like uh, both spiritually and like in terms of careers and like where we are in the world all and I can see this I can see it really clearly this trajectory for everyone it's really amazing to watch like like one of the early things for my mum for example she's a designer of of various different mediums she always had this dream that she couldn't ever allow herself to to realize and that was to to open up her own kind of interiors shop mm-hmm. which is basically just like a, walking into her sitting room and adorned with all, all the beautiful things and just the way she sees things you know and um a space opened up f- 
for her in the world. Well, I'll, I'll just say my sister, before she died, she used to work in... Her final job was in Wicklow Town, if anybody knows it, uh, on the quay. It's a really beautiful, still sort of functioning fishing village in a way. Lovely little town. And on the quay, there's a few... There's a few things. There was a little Chinese restaurant and she was just working in there on the till just to get a a few quid while she was out of some other work. But strangely enough, my mum somehow got wind of a a space maybe down in uh, on the quay. Firstly, she got to know the area, started to love it. Then she recommended that her sister buy a house down there. Her sister was looking for a place to live. Her sister moved in, loved it. And then my mum decided she was going to realise this this dream and get this space and her and her partner um, to put a, an interior shop in there. All these things started happening when she started letting go of Claire and started opening up again. She has this incredible shop now. And, you know, I can't even begin to explain what that journey has been like for her in her grief process and how it saved her and got her through the worst of it and how she felt at all times that it was Claire driving her through to do it all. She doesn't believe for a second that she could have done it without the help of Claire on some level. And it was all after she died, you know. Not not long after, uh, my brother gets, you know, he, he then finds a place in Wicklow Town, a couple of doors down from where my mum's shop is, on the quay, a really nice apartment, and absolutely falls in love with the town, loves it. And then he's always been saying how he wants to open a coffee shop. Somebody appears and says that the space beneath your apartment on the quay is available. So him and his partner then open up a coffee shop. And we're just having this incredible revelation. Like we're all looking at each other going, what's going on here? How has this happened? Like, like suddenly all of their dreams are just coming to fruition, you know? And I, I remember joking with my mum saying like, oh, when's Claire going to do something for me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I'd just released an album that I recorded during the time when she died. And I'd finally released it then a year or so later. And I was like, I wonder what she's going to do for me. Like, I wonder will the album have some sort of success or something? And uh, nothing was happening. I'd sort of released the album and I was sitting around waiting going, come on, come on, Claire, step up. And uh, and then I got this call out of the blue, this job teaching music in prisons. And I'd been on this journey of like reading a lot about addiction and childhood trauma, trying to get a better sense of what my sister's, where her suffering came from. And I'd been really interested in that stuff for about a year, just for myself, just to get a better sense of it and understand her a bit more, I suppose. Like and my empathy levels were just going up and up and up. My compassion and my empathy just every day I, I felt it getting stronger and stronger on the back uh, of all the grief. And then I found myself working day to day with people who were suffering in the exact same way that my sister was. And I was like, there it is. There, that's that's my version of it, you know. Like, and now I, I love the job. I love everything about it. Like, it it couldn't be more perfect for where I was in my life and what I what I needed going forward in my life. It's just it's perfect on every level. I can't even describe it. But the most valuable thing in it is 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 the aspect of me having empathy and and being a space for people who are going through that same level of suffering. Um. Like my sister would love these people. She'd have such a laugh with these people. You know, she, I, I can, I can see them in her. I can see her and them and how they'd all relate. They're just, they're all people who just, just want to laugh. 
is the bottom line, you know. And yet they're in there for for whatever reasons, for whatever trauma they've gone through in their lives that has led them to to it, you know. And it's incredible because, like I told people, I was reading this book and that book, and they said, "Oh, is, is it something you might go and study, like psychology?" Or, and I said, "No, I don't think so. It's just I'm just interested in it." And you know, I, I'd love to work with people like that, but I, I really don't see myself going and getting another degree and suddenly doing a whole career shift from music mm. to psychology. But I am interested. And that's how those conversations were going. And suddenly I find myself in this world. Now, I, I, it's not my role to be in any way, uh, to give anyone advice or anything like that, but it is a huge part of the job is to just be the space for these people and let them be in their essence and accept them for who they are and just regardless of what they've done. You know what I mean? You're not there to mm-hmm. judge anyone. And uh, it's an enormous teaching in, in non-judgment as well and acceptance of, of people. I find it easier to accept when I'm at work than I am when I go home. <laughs> you know, you can, find, you can find yourself getting kind of annoyed with, like, you know, the little things, as we said earlier on. And I find it even easier when I'm in there. Like, you can yeah. judge a person very easily who you consider to be just normal or or just uh, living a normal life who, who shouldn't have any reason to be like this. It's very easy to judge in every moment of every day, but I'm learning all the time through this work to be as less judgmental, I suppose. One more thing just to add to that. And, mm-hmm. and my mum suggested, she goes, why don't we all get a, a tattoo together uh, on Claire's birthday about a year later? And uh, she said, Claire always wanted to get a, a tattoo of an anchor. And I know my brother had some reluctancy towards, he was like, an anchor tattoo? Jeez, I don't know about that now. But, uh, you know, we, we all agreed it'd be a lovely sentiment just to get a little uh, anchor somewhere on your body, whatever. So most of us did that. Some, some of them got crescent moons and for, you know, which had its own uh, symbology for them or meaning for them. But um, me and my mum got anchors. And then um, we realized then that the Wicklow Town thing, it all, it all sort of came to a, ahead a sort of a resol- resolution in that I, I remember driving into Wicklow Town one day to go and celebrate the year of, of the shop being open or something like that and my brother had the coffee shop and my mum had the other shop and we'd all come to love Wicklow Town ever since Claire was the first to introduce any of us to it in a way you know and I saw this little symbol Wicklow Town two kilometers and it had the anchor and I remember just thinking oh that's funny I, I guess I noticed it because I now have that very symbol on my body and then I came in and I, I saw it somewhere else and then I saw it again. And then just above the harbour, there's anchors. And I realised there's anchors absolutely everywhere. And it is the symbol for for the very spot that now my mum and my brother are. And like people can read into that, whatever they like. But for us, it just had this enormous power. And we, you know, I sent a picture of it into a family kind of WhatsApp group and everyone just broke down. And my brother was like, OK, I'm going to get the anchor tattoo now. Because <laughs> it was just like you could sit there trying to draw meaning from it. But for us, it brought us all so close together in a way maybe we weren't before. It's like anchored us, if you like, if we'll stretch the the meaning that far. But like I go down there all the time. I even worked at my brother's coffee shop for a while. We're always going down. There's a beach right next to it and we go swimming there. And it's become a new safe place for us all to be and and to get together and we go for coffee in Jake's shop and we check out my mum's new stuff and we're all there all the time now and we only realized this afterwards you know it just this was the sort of arc of all of the things that that have happened over the two years as we all dealt with grief and released and let go of Claire and opened to new possibilities and 
now it's been two years and, and here we all are, you know, so to answer your question, that's been the, the trajectory anyway. I think it sounds amazing. What I'm really getting from speaking to you over the last little while is how close you and your family are, but how much you absolutely as a family turned kind of inward to yourselves and, and built out what your relationships look like after going through this massive grieving process. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I think there was some very obvious blockages among us all as a family, you know, um, that I don't see them anymore. You know, I feel like we're a lot closer and we're, we put a lot more stock in just being there for one another and just just being happy. And it's amazing because everyone has reinvented themselves. People tend to work in their career path at, the, at this age in life. They tend to be probably moving along with whatever it is they're already doing, you know, and it's huge shift for, for all of us. It was, it was an easy one for me to say yes to a job like that. But the, the, certainly my brother and my mother making these massive decisions and all of us being there with them and all the support we could possibly give to, to just go for it and just why not? Cause life's too short, as you say. And, um, you know, it's, it's much easier to just like my mum's now thinking of, she's been really struggling with selling the family home and we're like, just do it. What? That's not, you know, she, she <laughs> if you know her shop, she changes the interiors and the layout of the shop every day, which is like our house. <laughs> and we're like, that's not the house I grew up in. You change it so often. <laughs> I don't really relate to this room anymore. You, you do it every other week. So we're really encouraging her to just get on with that. And she's starting to realize, like, I think I can finally let go. I'm hanging on to all the grief is, is associated with that house. And I think it's, it's part of her letting go process mm -hmm. as well, you know. I wanted to ask you as well, um, and feel free not to answer if you don't want to, but I know you're about to become a dad in the next couple of months, maybe? Yeah, 11 yeah, weeks. Yeah. 11 weeks, wow. Okay, so you're really at the kind of the, the last hurdle there. Do you feel the grief that you're carrying with you has impacted in either a positive or a negative way of you becoming a new father? Is it something that's playing on your mind? I think, as I said to you, when, when you reached out to me, I had just gone through a, a whole shift in, in bringing a lot of stuff back up. And I think it's as I, closer I get to the birth of our daughter, I am thinking of it a lot more, you know, and I don't know if it's obviously at times sad, but I think at times I just think I, I'd lo I would love to have her to have met her and things like that. You know, the last thing she ever said to me in a way <laughs> was just a comment on an Instagram post. And it was, we'd just gotten Mabel, a little pup dog that we have. And uh, she said, oh, my new niece or whatever, you know. And But she never got to meet her. We only had her a week or so by the time Claire died. You know, so now our daughter will be Claire's niece. And sometimes I think of that and it makes me sad. <laughs> but yeah, so like, yeah, we're very excited and we think it's kind of beautiful that we're having a girl and we're contemplating Claire as a, as a middle name and stuff, you know. I have to run that by my niece still, <laughs> see if it's a, see if it's a goer. But um, yeah, I think it's death and it's birth and it's all existing in life. You know what I mean? I've gone through the grief of death and now I'm about to experience kind of birth for the first time. I mean, you know, we're going to go through the, the birth process, me and my wife, I've never experienced it on that level, you know? So I think it feels like the sort of circle being completed there of, uh, of all these experiences. And, um, 
it's very powerful. I, I find it hard to put it into words, <laughs> but it does feel all interconnected. It feels like we're just sort of coming out of this huge, enormous shift and starting a new chapter. And it starts kind of with the birth of the daughter and this sort of two and a half year thing that's been going on of of grieving and a lot of self-inquiry and learning about ourselves and career changes and families getting closer together. And, and now we're all about, you know, we're about to settle. I feel like my whole family, we're all about to settle into this new chapter and probably stay with, with whatever we're doing for a while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Certainly having a child is a long-term plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Death, life that full circle and there is nothing more beautiful or rewarding or enjoyable from my point of view anyway of bringing you know a child into this world and watching them grow and I have a unique perspective on it because it happened so very much at the same time absolutely it is hard to put into words about how you feel about your child and how you feel about bringing them into the world when you're Part of you has this brief yeah. darkness within it, but then it's just so incredible. It's like the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life, do you know? Yeah. I mean, because you can't, it, you can't easily say that about death. You can't say it's the most amazing thing, but the experience that everything that, that is, that comes from it, all the, the incredible things that are happening behind when you, when you learn to accept and when you learn to, to let go. And life starts happening again for you in the most miraculous ways that you can't possibly explain to anybody, except maybe other people who are going through it. You know, you can't say like, oh, death is brilliant. It's, you don't, you don't, you don't word it like that. You know, you have these profound, incredible feelings surrounding it and you, you start, you go, well, I mean, the reason we're talking here is because Mm -hmm. it's impossible to put it into words, but we know something incredible has come of all this. There's some huge growth going on. There's some incredible learning around it. Mm -hmm. And you don't just say congratulations or death is brilliant. You do with a child, you do with a birth. Mm -hmm. But I imagine, I'm yet to experience it, but I imagine you get the same thing from birth because it's it's coming from the same thing as death. They both exist in life Mm -hmm. and one offers you a whole new experience in one way and one offers you sort of the opposite experience but Mm -hmm. they both bring you an enormous I imagine an enormous shift an enormous learning and growing in relation to what is going on here what are we all doing you know absolutely they are two of the most life-changing moments I think that can happen in a person's life you know yeah from my own personal experiences I don't think there's anything that can have an effect on you as much as going through death and going through life the birth of a child yeah, it's all there is, really. Yeah, Everything yeah. is just uh, details in between, you know? Absolutely. Um, I did want to ask you one last question. I don't ask everybody this because it is quite personal and I don't think it pe- some people aren't maybe as open to it. But do you have ideas or, or opinions or thoughts about what happens after after we die? And has that been something? Did you think about that before your sister had passed? Have you thought about it after or, you know, some people are very decisive about what they think happens when they die. And I think when you go through a grief, it kind of, certainly for me, it, it sent me off in like a million different directions of like trying to understand what happens, do you know? I guess, like I was saying, I was always interested or at least for 
good few years in in spirituality and dealing with the noise in your head, you know, to to that level. But I hadn't really contemplated um, death at all uh, or or what happens afterwards. But I certainly have since. It doesn't worry me at all. I, I don't wonder about it too much or search for something that I can finally then believe in or anything like that. But I have, I'd read the Tibetan book of the dead a long time ago and I'd since read it again because I hear it referenced in many things and I guess like one thing that stuck with me they talk about is like what happens after death is the same thing that happens before birth so to speak you know what I mean you 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 come and go and return to the same place I don't think of it as a there's nothing that would anyone could say that I'd say no that's not it I'm as open as, as I can possibly be to anybody's interpretation of it I think particularly in Buddhism and all of these spiritual teachers seem to have a really good grasp on what it is. Whatever they say, it doesn't, it doesn't worry me or make me think like, ah, no, that's a bit far-fetched. Mm. I just, having experienced death and the, the powerful shifts that come along with it, I'm, I'm, my rule is just to keep on opening and opening and opening, opening to these possibilities of whatever, whatever lies afterwards and whatever it comes before. One thing I can be certain of is like space, everything comes and returns to space. Like I did my thesis on this regarding music, trying to bring more space into my playing as a musician. And and I ended up reading a lot of books around, around this kind of subject. And all creations appear out of nowhere. All your thoughts appear out of, out of some sort of void. And we practice silence, trying to get back to some sort of meditative state and trying to quiet the mind. And all you're ever really trying to get to is this kind of space that everything exists in. And whether you're born or whether you're dying, you're, you're coming from or returning to that space. And that's kind of enough for me. I don't know if I need any more of an explanation than that. I like the idea of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it brings you a sense of peace. Yeah. And the, the more I think on it, the more I see it, the more, like every sound I hear, I'm like, ah, oh, that came and it's gone again, you know? And it, it gives me a great sense of peace around my thoughts, that thoughts that give me difficulties and the noise in my head. I know one of your guests said, uh, you know, all things must pass or shall pass or whatever it was. And I remember thinking, you know, th- this was something one of your guests said really resonated with her after uh, she had lost someone. And that's it. Everything shall return back to some sort of space that it came from and... I don't, yeah, I don't think I need any more than that. Absolutely everything in my world, I, I start to recognize things that way, you know, anything that's giving you any difficulty or, um, it's okay. It's just, it came from nothing and will return to nothing. And that's, that's kind of okay for me, <laughs> you know. Well, thank you, Charlie. This has just been a, an absolutely fascinating chat. It's kind of blows my mind every time I talk to someone and how like each person has, Obviously, they have such different stories, but views and opinions and thoughts and I suppose how they make sense of grief. I shouldn't be surprised at because that's what this whole podcast is about. But it's just it's so <laughs> intriguing and refreshing to kind of have these really different conversations every week. Yeah. So so thank you so much for coming on and joining us today and sharing the story of yourself and sharing the story of Claire. Yeah, it's been lovely to chat with you and to chat about her and to listen to the podcast. I'm really enjoying it. So well done to you as well. Thank (laughs) you. It's been a wonderful thing. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much to Charlie for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your openness and thank you for your insight that you brought to this conversation. If you want to connect with Charlie, you can follow him on Instagram at charlie underscore moon underscore music or on his website, charliemoonmusic.com. You can follow us on Instagram under Life's Too Short Podcast to keep up to date on new releases. And if you have enjoyed listening or if you have taken something from this conversation, please consider rating and reviewing on whatever platform you're listening in on. It really does help us out as a new podcast. And with today's final words to leave you with, I wanted to take something from spiritual and self-help author Eckhart Tolle. If you are not living this moment, you are not really living.